Um, and it says in verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the Lord is looking for people of faith in the earth, right? It says he's, he's, uh, his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. So not just America, right? Not just uh, English-speaking countries, but through the whole earth because his desire is to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Uh, and, of course, the end of that verse is here, and thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So when the Lord was looking over the children of Israel, he didn't find anybody that was uh, going to allow him to show himself strong in their life. Uh, and who, who is responsible for being in a place for the Lord to show himself strong? Well, we are, right? And that's what that verse says. He said he's looking to and fro to find somebody uh, that he can show himself strong on behalf of them. But uh, their hearts uh, and thoughts need to be perfect. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you ever have never had a, a, a stray thought or, you know, uh, every now that it's not exactly right. Uh, but he is looking. Amen. And, you know, from from my perspective, I want to be found. Don't you want to be found of the Lord? When the Lord is looking over the whole earth, you know, uh, he's going to because if he's going to show himself strong, he's going to as soon as he finds one, he's going to stop. And, he, and he's going to show himself strong on behalf of that person if he finds someone whose heart is perfect. And, and so, you know, I'd en encourage you, uh, desire for the Lord to find you, right? Lord, find me out, right? Uh, make sure that you're in a place where you can be found, amen? Uh, make sure that uh, you're, you've set up your life so that the Lord can find you, so that he can show himself strong. You know, if someone says, well, the Lord never shows himself strong in my life, um, you know, that's, uh, that's probably telling, right? Because uh, uh, you might want to check up on that, right? So, uh, but, but the Lord is good, amen? Uh, you know, if he's good, th this is what he wants to do. If he's good, he's looking through the whole earth trying to find you uh, because his desire, his goal, his will is to show himself strong. Uh, and so, you know, that's the, that, to me, that tells me a lot more about the Lord than, than these kind of pseudo uh, religious, spiritual-sounding statements that God allows these things in our lives, uh, this, this, this verse, you know, does away with things like that, you know. So uh, be, be, uh, be watchful, uh, be aware that the Lord is looking for you, uh, and be easy to be found, right? Uh, Lord, here am I, you know, send me, right? Uh, that's what the prophet said there. Uh, Lord, here am I, show yourself strong in my life. Uh, and, uh, if, and if the Lord shows himself strong in your life, what things can you not overcome? Um, and there's nothing, right? I mean, if, if he's on your side and he's going to show himself strong in your life, then um, on your behalf, then there's nothing that you can't overcome. And really, in the context of this, they, he was trying to uh, get them to uh, be found so that he can get them out of wars and rumors of wars and fightings and all of these things and destructions. Uh, and so... Be found. Amen. Uh, put your life in such a way that you can be found of the Lord uh, and then the Lord can show himself strong in life. Amen. So praise God. Well, let's uh, stand each other for just uh, stand, stand and greet each other for just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship. To remove the spots and blemish, Father, from our lives and to allow us to stand clean and victorious before you. 
You said, Father, in your word, that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Father, your blood washes the path away, Father. We can come to you, Father, clean. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the blood. Thank you, Father, for the blood. Thank you, Father, for the blood. Father, there is no substance greater in all the universe, Father, than your blood. It was the only thing, Father, worthy to pay the price for our sins. In all of creation, Father, there was nothing found worthy until the blood of Jesus was found. Thank you, Father, for the blood. Thank you, Father. 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 Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for being so kind towards us to allow your son to come into the earth to live, Father, and die and shed blood on our behalf. Only a great father could do that. Lord, we thank you for doing that. We thank you for allowing that to happen. We thank you, Father. Thank you for desiring for us to stand before you clean, Father. Thank you. Father, we just want to give you praise and honor for these things. We always want to be mindful of the great, precious gift that you've given to us, Father. To stand before you clean. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things, Father. We thank you for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. You know, the process of redemption was really kind of messy, right? It was messy and it was uh, it was painful and uh, you know all the way back to uh, the Old Testament where they had to do sacrifices and aren't we glad that we don't live in the Old Testament you know have to go murder a mammal and you know shed its blood and I'm just glad that uh, I'm glad we live in the New Testament Amen uh, and uh, the, the blood of Jesus was plenty sufficient uh, to wash us make make us clean. You know, you can try all the days of your life to be good, to be good enough, and you'll never actually obtain to be good enough. Amen. It's only the blood of Jesus can make good, makes you good enough. And uh, that should that should be sufficient. Right. I mean, we should understand that. And, you know, no matter how hard we try, we're not going to be good enough. And yet, uh, does it keep people from trying? Now, people trying every day. You know, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. And at the end of the day, can they do it? No, they can't do it. Right. So. Um, but uh, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and so we appreciate the, the blood of the lamb. So our uh, verse that we've been reading from is uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Well, you know, we're not being a good cheer because of the tribulation, right? Uh, there's no uh, that that's. Uh, that's messed up, right? But there, there are people who teach that we should thank God for the tribulation. 
and be, be cheerful for the tribulation. That's not why we're cheerful. Uh, you know, the Lord, uh, uh, that would be just crazy talk, right? Yeah. But, but there was, you know, there was people, there was a fellow who got, who got a revelation about praise. And um, uh, he, he, I mean, he got famous with it. He wrote a book or two about it. Uh, I think it was Praise on Prayer Mountain or something like that uh, from back in the 80s. And uh, his doctrine was, we should thank God for the tribulation. Thank God for the cancer. Thank God for the sickness and disease. Thank God for those things. Uh, and, and it's like, well, that's crazy talk. You know, and I, I remember thinking as a teenager, that sounds like crazy talk to me. Uh, no, we don't thank God for the tribulation. We thank God uh, and we have good cheer because he's going to get us out of the tribulation. There's no greater joy than to get out of the tribulation, right? There's no joy in suffering under the tribulation. There's only joy knowing that you can get out of the tribulation. That's why we have cheer. That's right. That's why we have great joy is because he's overcome the whole world. And if he's overcome the world, then that would include whatever tribulation you're going through. Amen. Now, that that makes sense to me, right? That that sounds like what the word is actually saying, because for to say something else, that just sounds kind of weird. Why would you why would you be glad that a tribulation is coming your way? Well, you know. Uh, God just, you know, he's, he's going to allow th- certain things in your life to teach you certain things. And why can't he just teach us from the word? Is the word incapable of teaching us? What about the spirit of God? Is the spirit of God incapable of teaching us? Is he limited in his capacity as a teacher to instruct and to guide and to, and to, uh, to let us know the good things and the bad things that we're doing? Is, is he not capable of doing that? Does the Lord have to use external things and, and natural events and, and hurricanes and uh, tornadoes to test us and to try us and to teach us. Uh, I mean, it just shows, you know, it shows uh, the Lord to be a poor instructor. You know, if he can't get the point across by teaching uh, that he has to go onto the natural world and show us by some tribulation, uh, then, uh, then it seems like his spirit is limited. Of course, we would never say his spirit is limited, but the, to hear some people's doctrine that the Lord is incapable of fully instructing us by his word and through his spirit, that he has to go out into the world and find natural means to then really get the point across. Amen. And, you know, the, the, uh, one of the best ways to learn is from somebody else's mistakes, right? You don't have to go through them yourself to learn something. You can just look at somebody else. And that's why he gave us all these instructions in the word, including the failures of many people to learn from their mistakes. And then what he said, he said that over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that these things have been given to us uh, as an admonition uh, to learn from their mistakes. And yet, have we learned from all their mistakes? Are we doing the exact same mistakes that our forefathers did? Exactly the same thing, right? So uh, if we can't learn from their mistakes, then, uh, you know, then, of course, then we will make our own mistakes and we, we hopefully can learn from those. But it's a lot more painful to learn from your mistakes than learn from somebody else's mis- mistakes, amen? It's a lot more expensive to learn from your mistakes than it is to learn from somebody else's mistakes. But, but that's why we can be of good cheer, because he's got a way out. Every circumstance, every tribulation, there's a way out. So are there any exceptions? Because if he's overcome the world, then that would include your tribulation, right? That would include the things that you're going through, whatever the things that you're going through, he has a way out, amen? Uh, and if he's got a way out, then, then that's why we can be of good cheer, right? So not slightly below average cheer, but good cheer, right? So we're, we're glad that the, that the Lord has us a way out. Amen. Uh, and then after we get out, then we can go back and, and then we ask the Lord, Lord, did I get myself into that mess? You know, how did I get there? 
And if you'll and if you'll ask, the Lord will show you. Right. He'll tell you those things. And, you know, sometimes they just happen because they happen. Uh, uh, but uh, even in that, he's got a way out. Amen. But if you did cause them to come into your way, into your own life, and you opened yourself up to the devil by, you know, violating Ephesians 4.27 about giving place to the devil, then, you know, the Lord can show you those things and you can learn from that mistake and you can do better the next time. Amen. Uh, but no matter what happens, whether it's your uh, self-inflicted or it's an, an affliction that comes from you from outside, there's a way out. Amen. And if there's a way out, then we can be of good cheer. And that's really, you know, for me... That's why there, there's never a, 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 an opportunity or there's never a valid reason to be sad or depressed or overcome by things that are coming into your life because he's given you a way out. Right. So what's it matter if they come into your life? What's it matter if somebody tries to attack you? Uh, isn't there a way out? Yes. You know, there is a way out. If, that, if, if he overcame the world, then there's a way out. You know, then, then, uh, then we can be of good cheer. Amen. Sometimes we get despondent and we think, you know, we're, we're never going to overcome this. Then he overcame the whole world except for your tribulation. Uh, so, uh, but how many Christians don't think the Lord's overcome their tribulation? He's overcome the rest of the world except for their tribulation. Amen. Well, that's not what the word says. He said he overcame the whole world. Amen. And, and so therefore we can be of good cheer. So we're learning. We're, we're, let's turn over to the book of Revelation chapter 2. So we're looking at the churches and seeing the examples that the Lord spoke to, to seven different churches. Uh, and what can we learn from their mistakes? Because most of them have mistakes that they, that they committed. And uh, again, this is a good opportunity for us to avoid their same mistakes. Amen. And to see in every single one of these, he gave them instructions to overcome. You must overcome. And then he gave them uh, specific uh, ways for that church to overcome. So they're slightly different about how. They overcome because the particular tribulation uh, is unique to each each church. So here we are in chapter two. This is the church at Ephesus. And we'll just read these verses again. I think it's helpful to just read the foundation of these. It says, uh, verse one, under the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. You know, the Lord does know the things that you do. Amen. Uh, Sometimes, well, you reckon the Lord ever knows anything I do? It says right there, he knows, right? Uh, what does he know? Uh, it says that uh, he knows uh, thy, thy works, thy labor, and thy patience. And how that cannot bear them which are evil. You know, that's a good thing, right? Some people just put up and put up and put up with evil people around them. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know why they do that. You know, uh, if they're not going to change... Why are you putting up with him? And I talked to someone one time. They said, you know, uh, there was a lot of drama in their family. That every time someone calls me from my family, they just chew me out and, and you know, they're rude to me and unkind to me. And well, well why are you answering the phone? I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? You're, what are you doing? You're bearing them that are evil. Uh, amen. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't understand that. You know, uh, you're not required to do that. Uh, sometimes we get a martyr syndrome. Uh, you know, the Bible does talk about there will be martyrs, but some people are looking for it. Some people are looking for, you know, unless my life is horrible, then I must not be spiritual. And it seems like uh, unless they get the worst of everything, they're not spiritual. And unless they, everybody's attacking them always, then they're not spiritual. You know, and, and all these Facebook preachers, you know, there's some of them, it's just everything they put on. There's like, you know, when people are always against you, just hang in there. God's always for you, you know, and 
It's like, you know, I go for days and weeks and months sometimes when nobody's against me that I know, right? Nobody's attacking me. Nobody's, you know, being unkind to me. Uh, and, and to read these people's posts, you think, is this like every day? Is this like someone mean to you every day? Maybe you need to repent or something, you know, because surely somebody out there is nice, right? Surely there's at least one nice Christian out there that's not always attacking you and, and actually is on your side. And, uh, you know, but that same person, uh, you know, I, I knew him from many years ago and they sent me an email one time and said, well, you know, uh, when I was running sound, they were one of the, one of the many singers. And they said, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of times that, uh, that you were talking about me and, uh, and that you would... Uh, you know, on a regular basis, would intentionally mix the sound poorly for, for, my, for my particular singing. I mean, they just said it like it was true. The problem with that is none of that was true. You know, they, well, you know uh, I know that you were just, you know, intentionally mixing, uh, bad mixing sometimes. That, well, maybe you weren't singing good that day, you know. I mean, it could be, you know, have you ever looked in the mirror, right? Uh, and, um, uh, but they said it like it was a fact. Because in their mind, everybody's always against them. And even people that aren't against them are against them. You know, that, you know what that tells you? That tells you you're violating 1 Corinthians 13. And the Amplified says that it's ever ready to be, believe the best of everyone. If, if I don't know that you're mixing the sound intentionally to, to harm me, then I assume that you're not mixing the sound intentionally to harm me. Well, I just know because I have the spirit of suspicion. And the spirit of suspicion tells me, you know, that, you know, I have to get the suspicion. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's real, right? It's not one of the gifts of the Spirit, is it, right? But uh, they, they think that because they have to get the suspicion that it's real. Uh, but no, see, so even when there's not things against them, things are against them. You know, I don't think that way. I just think everybody loves me uh, and, and everybody wants to do good to me. Everybody wants to be nice to me. Everybody wants to bless me. And until you tell me otherwise, and sometimes people do, sometimes they do tell you otherwise. I can't stand you, you know, I hate you and your mama both, you know. Oh, you know, you know my mama, you know, uh, and they still don't like her. Uh, and, and that happens, but, you know, it's, like I said, days and weeks and months sometimes before, you know, people are unkind to me or say something to attack me or whatever. And, and, um, uh, and so uh, it's just uh, that the whole mentality there, I don't know, you know, it's just uh, it, they, they need to straighten up, right? Uh, they, they can't spare them which are evil. Uh, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, found them to be liars, you know. Uh, it is good to try people who claim, stand up and say, you know, I know all this. Really? Well, let me go see your life. That's what it means by trying them. It doesn't mean by, you know, putting them in temptation and trying to get them to sin. It means to find out, you know, when, uh, well, let's go to the restaurant together, see how you treat the waitress, you know. Let's go to the grocery store, see how you treat the cashier. You know, let me go to your house and see how you treat your wife and your dog, you know. Let me see how you, how you do those things, right? And then I'll find out if you're telling the truth or not. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, they, the apostles, and they're not, found them to be liars. And you've borne and have patience for my namesake, have labored and have not fainted. That's good, you know, because there is a labor, right? Now, I know that, the, that the, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but there is a labor of the Lord, a labor in the word and labor in prayer and labor in patience and long-suffering as you're trying to help people. There is a labor, in, in, and if you're not careful, you get weary in the labor. You know, you ever got weary just... You know, you, you, you know, you can help somebody and it just seems like the more you help them, it just it just uh, they, they don't want to move on. They don't want to improve themselves. They don't want to get better. And, and, and it's wearying. It, it's it's a labor. And, and the only labor that we have, you know, long suffering is a fruit of the spirit necessary for the assistance of others, because it sometimes it's long suffering to help people. 
that's a labor. Uh, you know, my, my natural inclination is just fine. You just you go die for all I care, right? Just, you just, you know, the lack of patience sometimes, you just like, just fine. And just go, well, no, but long suffering says, you know, I'll be with you till forever. If there's a glimmer of hope, I will labor in prayer for you. I will labor in, in my assistance towards you. Uh, and, 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 don't, and I'm not going to faint. And I'll, I'll outlive everybody if I have to, right? Uh, I'm not going to faint. And he said, nevertheless, I have someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And we had read uh, Ephesians chapter 1 where it talks about the first uh, love. He said uh, in verse 15, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. So faith and love was their first love. That was, the, that was what identified them as a church at Ephesus. And, and, you know, there was probably, I don't know, 30, 40 years or so from the time that the book of Ephesus was written to the time that the book of Revelation was written. And in that time, in that period of time, in, the, in those few decades, they, ha- they had gotten off track. So they started out really good. Uh, and, and they got off track. Well, that, that's a warning to us that it doesn't matter how good you start. If you're not careful... You will leave your first love and you will replace it with religion and replace it with all kinds of weird things, you know, uh, replace it with man's idea of how to do things. Lord, we've got it from here. We take it, Lord, you know, uh, and you can go back in history and look at just dozens of examples of these things. Right. Uh, of how the, they left the first love. And, you, you know, uh, and I'm not against anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. But, you know, you look at uh, good examples like the Salvation Army. Right. Salvation Army. I mean, back in the 1800s, they were preaching machines. That's what they did. They got a, they got a street corner, and they'd get a street corner there and, and get a, get a, a flatbed there and, and just preach the gospel, get people saved, get them uh, born again, get them baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues. Now, that's what, that's, I mean, that's why they're called the Salvation Army. Uh, and and uh, William Booth was the first general. He was, a, you know, they had rank. You know, I don't know if they still have rank or not, but he was a general, uh, General Booth. Uh, and um, that was their thing. That was their first love, to preach the gospel, preach salvation. And then you look at them now, and they ring bells at Walmart, you know. I mean, you know, and, I, you know, praise God, they're giving blankets to cold people, right? And, and they're giving clothes to naked people. But that wasn't their first love. Their first love was to preach the gospel, get people into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and and, and every, every organization left to the devices of men will do the same thing. You look at the Pentecostal church. The Pentecostal church is exactly the same thing. Started out on fire. You know, spectacular miracles, signs and wonders, raising people from the dead, growing arms out, legs out. And Azusa Street. You go read the, the stories of, of, uh, of uh, William Seymour and, and the spectacular miracles uh, that happened uh, at Azusa Street. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that was the Pentecostal church. That was ignited the Pentecostal church. And then with a few decades, about the same amount of time that it was for the church at Ephesus, they were measuring how long your skirt was and how long your hair was and how many ounces of jewelry you had. And if you had too much jewelry, you know, you're dying and going to hell. You know, look at you. I mean, it's just, uh, well, what happened? Well, they left their first love. They, 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 became, they became respectable. Well, you know, we don't want to be them wild people. You know, we want to be respectable. We want the lawyers and the doctors to come to our church, you know, and Praise God, lawyers and doctors, and he gets saved too, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, they're not going to get uh, all turned on at a dead church. Amen? And so uh, they left their first love. Uh, and every, every organization, and, and so that's a warning, you know, to any church that's going to be around a long time, any church that, that sees significant growth, 
they will have the temptation to become uh, organized by men uh, and to, to extinguish the life of God out of that church and replace it with the ideas of men. Uh, and if you look at, you know, uh, uh, John Wesley, you know, John Wesley was, was a radical. They would stone him and throw, you know, throw things at him when he came into a city because, you know, oh, that radical preaching, you know, uh, and, and they would throw him out of a church and, and uh, persecute him significantly. Uh, and and uh, his whole thing was about prayer and, and learning how to pray and spending time in the presence of God. And, uh, and yet uh, he was attacked so much over his life, you know. Uh, and then you look at the, uh, the you know, the, the Methodist Church is just, in fact, the United Methodist Church is splitting up because they can't agree on same-sex marriage. And <laughs> I thought they were united, you know. Uh, but, uh, I mean, when you have to have a debate about same-sex marriage in the church, there's something wrong with that, right? And I'm not mad at anybody at all. Uh, it just, you know, because it's not the church, you know, the, the rank and file, probably the, the good people. That, there's plenty of good people that go to Methodist churches. It's the crazy leadership uh, that gets these things out of order. And when they, when, they, when they have to have a debate on whether, you know, we should allow, you know, homosexual ministers. I mean, it's like, what in the world? Uh, that should take like 15 seconds. And only that, that's about how long it takes to say the words. No. Right. And that's about three seconds. Right. So it's about three seconds. It should take to, to, to answer that. No. The answer is no. Right. Any more than you should allow somebody who's an embezzler be a pastor or somebody who's a, 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 a you know, a, a cheating on their wife should be a pastor, right? Uh, I mean, it, it's no difference, right? And, and they can repent and, and uh, straighten up, and then if they want to be in the ministry, well, that's, that's up between them, uh, them and the Lord and the, and the church. Uh, but, you know, how far have we come from these things? Uh, and, I mean, you can go over and over and over again in the history of mankind uh, and how great moves of God have, have been uh, snuffed out by the hands of men. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the great healing revival from 1947 to 1958. You know, you look at the, some of the great ministers during that time. And, you know, Jack Cole and A.A. A. Allen and, you know, um, uh, different people like that. William Branham. Uh, and you look at, you look at the, the people that were involved in that. And, and so many of them started out for God. Started out uh, desiring to do spectacular things for God. And then they, then they, then they got to thinking about how important they were and how special they were. And look at me and how wonderful I am. And, uh, and I need more money. And uh, Jack Coe would, would, would shut down a healing service and receive an offering because you just get somebody healed and everybody wants to give everything. I'll just write my whole check account, you know, just blank check. Here you go, take it all. Uh, and just shear the sheep. Uh, and that was going on for, uh, you know, for a long time. And of course, he died young. He died when he was 38 years old. Uh, and the people that were there in his ministry said, we've never seen more spectacular miracles than under this ministry. And yet how easy is it is for us to leave our first love? How, I mean, it happened with the Ephesians. It happened with the uh, church of Pentecost, the Pentecostal church. It happened with great moves of God. Uh, you know, the YMCA, you know, Young Man's Christian Association. And now it's like, well, you know, there's not really men because, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gender is a societal creation. You know, God didn't make gender. I mean, except for the minor fact that he did. And, and he created this thing called DNA. And it's unique for men and women. And, and except for that minor huge thing, you know, there's no such thing as gender, which is just ridiculous, right? And so now it's just uh, uh, you, young men's or young 
anybody, you know, I don't even know what the word should be, right? Young, yeah, anybody's Christian association. And, and except for the Christian part either. We don't like the Christian part because, you know. So now it's just YMCA because we're not really the Young Men's Christian Association anymore. We're just the YMCA. What's that mean? It means nothing anymore, right? Because it means nothing. Uh, and so uh, it, it's just, uh, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not going to go picket them. I'm not going to go try to get them shut down and take away their, their, um, uh, their, their 501c3 uh, 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 license or anything. I'm, I, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Uh, it's just a warning for us that, you know, you, you can look at these examples and see that we're all uh, have the potential to fail the same way. That's the thing that we learn from other people's mistakes is I'm not perfect. And if I see somebody else's mistakes, I need to I need to, to be a warning to me. I could do the same thing, except for the grace of God. I would do the same thing, except for the presence of God. I would do the same thing. And that's why we learn from people's mistakes. We don't learn so that we can beat them up and say how sorry they are and go pick at them. And, you know, I don't have to participate with a YMCA or I don't have to participate with these other organizations that are now doing ungodly things. Um, I can just do my own thing. Amen. Uh, and so I'm not going to get mad at anybody, uh, but uh, they, they had left the first love. So the question for us is, do we have the potential for us to leave our first love? You know, if, some, if 500 people showed up here at this church tomorrow, would we suddenly think that we're somebody? Would we suddenly think hey, we must be important? Uh, we're going to go, you know, now we're going to go and, and, um, uh, and, and elect a mayor out of our church, right? Uh, and, and start, and start uh, trying to influence the city council and start, you know, demanding that as a big church we have rights and privileges and, uh, you know, getting to, getting to the natural organization of our community. Uh, I mean, would we do that? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to do that. And I, I think, you know, all you all be, uh, would, would come along with me, too. Uh, but, you know, out of the 500 new people, there are probably some people. Well, Pastor, you know, we need to, you know, we need to uh, be more. Uh, now that we've got a lot of people, you know, we, we, don't, we don't need to be so stuffy. You know, you need to start wearing a tie and, you know, start doing those things. And I, I remember years ago, my pastor, uh, uh, there would be times when the Spirit of God would move in the church and he would just, he, he would just go on the Spirit and just be there for 10, 15 minutes sometimes on the ground, just out in the Spirit. Uh, and, and, you know, it never bothered me. It's like, well, I guess he'll get up when he gets up, right? I mean, you know, I mean, what's the big deal? But people would go to him, elders of the church, not riffraff, you know, not, you know, that you're riffraff, but just, you know, not, not, you know, not elders, but elders would go to him and say, Pastor, you know, that's making people uncomfortable. You know, you don't need to do that. Well, if the Spirit of God makes people uncomfortable, then those people need to be uncomfortable until they repent. Amen? Now, he's not doing it to make people uncomfortable. That would be wrong, right? We're, I'm going to intentionally, you know, speak, speak words of God over every one of your lives and tell you all your dirty secrets. And, you know, uh, I mean, you know, we're not going to, we're not trying to make people uncomfortable, but if the Spirit of God is moving, then the Spirit of God is moving. And, and to say that, you know what he was saying? You need to leave your first love. You need to quit doing it. You know, if the Spirit of God is moving you like that, you, and you love the Spirit of God to move like that, you know, that's wrong. You need to, you know, you need to be more respectable because, you know, we want some lawyers to come to the church here. You know, lawyers aren't going to come to people laying on the ground. Uh, I mean, whatever, right? I mean, there's probably a few lawyers need to be laying on the ground, right? Under the power of God. Uh, and so... So, you know, whatever your first love is, you know, don't leave that. Amen. We all have the potential to leave our first love. 
Amen. You know, for me, it's always been the word of God. I love the word of God, you know, and, and uh, but if I suddenly started teaching Andy Griffith, uh, you know, anecdotes and doing jokes and, uh, you know, I'd be, I, I, I can't do that, you know. Well, you know, I, I, we don't need to be people put people under pressure by reading the word so much around here. Uh, you know, people would say that, you know, uh, well, we're not going to do that. Right. So uh, so we need to not leave our first love. And we need to know that all of us have the potential left to our, left to our own devices to leave our first love, to leave what, what the, defines our walk with the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, the Lord has placed a first love in all of us, things that, that he made you unique, that this is your thing, right? Whatever that thing is. And you should develop that and increase it and advance it and, and you know, uh, allow it to mature in your life and never leave that. Uh, and uh, so many times I hear ministers who started out, you know, in Pentecost and they left it. You know, well, I don't do that anymore. I don't believe in I don't believe in speaking in tongues anymore. Well, I mean, you believe it then, right? Why don't you believe it now? Well, you've left your first love. Amen. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't add things to it, right? You, I mean, you can add things as you grow in your own life. You can add things to your life, no doubt. Uh, and so. So then then he, he tells them, well, here's how to get out of it. And this is what's helpful. You know, the Lord didn't just leave him there. He didn't say, you left your first love. You know, I have somewhat against thee that you have left your first love. Now get out of my face. Is that what he said? No, you know, that's why I love the Lord so much. You know, he, he doesn't just leave you hanging there, right? He said, number one, remember. You know, th- that right there. Now, it's interesting when the Lord's instructing them how to overcome. I don't think there's a single case where he said, you know, if you just get more faith, you can overcome. If you just go, you know, pray, uh, pray for uh, 16 hours and do some intercession, you know, you can overcome. Uh, so he gives them instruction to overcome. And it's really not what we think uh, would be the instructions to overcome. Because the number one thing he told, them, he told the Ephesians is to remember. Remember where you came from. In fact, as we said, remember, therefore, from whence thou art falling. Where did you come from? Remember the height from which you have fallen. One, one translation says, remember. So part of overcoming sometimes is remember. You know, Lord, I used to pray all the time. You know, Lord, I, I, used to, I, I used to read your word all the time. I used to witness to people all the time. You know, some people just, they just, they, they, they have that evangelistic spirit, even if they're not, maybe not an evangelist per se as a powerful ministry, but they have that exhorter spirit in them that it can exhort people to get saved. And, and they just, they have that in them. Uh, and then they look around and say, Lord, I've not witnessed anybody in years. You know, maybe weeks or, you know, for some people. Um, uh, but that's in some, that's in people, right? That's, that's your first love, to share the gospel. And maybe, you know, somebody said something unkind to you one time and, and you lost your first love. Uh, but he said, remember, therefore, from whence you are falling. In other words, remember where you were. You know, sometimes overcoming, all you, get is, you know, Lord, I used to do that. I, I can do that. Uh, you know, again, this is not what we would think. Well, he can give some secret, you know, to overcoming. A, just get some special verse or get a word from the Lord or, or get more faith. And I said, remember from whence thou art fallen. Uh, and of course, then that evil next word there and repent. Change the course. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to change course. Well, Lord, I got to get back on track. I got to get back to reading the word. I got to get back to praying. I got to get back to going to church. I get to get back to doing, you know, there are people who used to love to go to church there every time the doors were open and you look at where are they now? Well, I mean, has anything changed? 
you know, when I, when I was with my pastor, I never missed church. After my pastor died, I never missed church. And then, and then after we left this church, we never missed church. And then we started this church. And, you know, we don't miss church, really, you know, because we're here. Right? We're, we're pastoring. But, uh, but he said, repent. Uh, change the course. Well, why are you changing the course? Because the course that you're on is not the right course. So there are times that you've got to change the course in the direction of your life. Uh, that's re- repentance, right? Repentance is, is not just, oh, Lord, I'm sorry for that sin and being the exact same person tomorrow that you are today. Repent is uh, changing course. And, and, and it's not even so much repenting for sin. I mean, you could, there's some general, Lord, if I'm on the wrong track, you know, out of the will of God, then I do need to repent in the sense of, Lord, please forgive me for that. But that's not really the, the, all the root of repentance. The root of repentance is changing the course. So if I'm, if I'm out of the will of God, then, then the repentance, the key part of repentance is changing to get back on the course. And so if the first love is to walk in love and faith, then they need to go back to walking in love and faith. Uh, and maybe they got respectable. Maybe, the, you know, they weren't believing God for things like they were before. Maybe they got, you know, kind of jaundiced about things. And, well, you know, we're not going to help anybody out anymore. You know, we, we don't know the specifics of, of why, uh, what their first love was replaced with. But he said, repent and do the first works. So go back and do the things that you were doing before. You know, sometimes people think, you know, we, we need to do new, a new fresh thing. Something new, something fresh, something that nobody else is doing. Because, you know, church is all about marketing, right? And we, need to have a, we got a new cool thing going on. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing the first works. Nothing wrong with doing the things that, that you know to do. Amen. Uh, and there's so much philosophy in the church to it's always got to be some newfangled thing. Right. Uh, because uh, we're always trying to to uh, uh, be words towards itching ears. Right. To, to uh, getting people satisfied. And, you know, you, you start a new church and, you know, you have some flashy uh, stuff going on. And, and it's amazing how many people would leave the church they've been in for decades and, and go to that new church. Well, why did they go to the new church? You know, I thought you were called to go to that church. Right. Uh, and so. You know, that's why around here, I tell you, invite everybody to the church that you can. But if they're already going to church, don't invite them to this church, right? If they're, you know, what if they're going to a bad church? That's none of your business, you know. You let the Lord get them out of that bad church. You invite people that aren't going to church, people that used to go to church, people that have never gone to church, that's who you invite to church, right? Uh, if they're going to church, then, then you, don't, you don't want to be a sheep thief, amen? And we're not going to be a sheep thief around here. Uh, and so he said, uh, do thy first works, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, James had reminded us to be doers of the word. Amen. Do do what the word says uh, and not just hearers only. Uh, and he said, um, do the first works or else. Those are the two scariest words that the Lord could ever speak to you or else. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, so what did he tell the, the uh, church at Ephesus to do? He said to remember, to repent and to do. Now, none of those sound like great acts of faith, right? None of those sound like great, well, Lord, I, you know, I need to have a, a miracle or something to show up. No, he said, remember, uh, repent, and do. Uh, and he said, or I will come unto thee quickly and remove the candlestick out of thy place, except thou repent. Now, uh, it's interesting because the candlestick uh, really represents the pastor of the church here in these churches. Uh, and, and there have been plenty of times when the Lord has moved a church out of a location uh, and, um, uh, and then left the Christians who wouldn't repent, you know, just left them 
without a church. Uh, now they they'll find a pastor, right? But it won't be it won't be a godly pastor. Uh, and the Lord has done that many times, where He'll move just move a whole church out of a location uh, if the people there won't receive the ministry the Lord has placed there. Then uh, the Lord will He'll remove the candle if they won't repent. Then uh, He will remove. Is that what He says? I will remove the candlestick out of its place. Uh, and so He didn't say He's going to get rid of the candlestick or burn it. He's going to move it out of its place. Going to move it right, put it to a new location. Uh, except thou repent. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there, there was a story with uh, Brother Hagen tell years ago that, uh, you know, as a traveling minister, he goes to a lot of different cities and locations, and, and uh, he started making some observations. Said, Lord, every time I go to that city, whether it's the same church or different churches, it's just no matter where, where church I preach at in that city, he said, it's just really hard to preach. Now, to go to this other place, you know, the you know, the church isn't, isn't big or, you know, whatever. But it's just really easy to preach there. Not everywhere I go in that city. But over here in this city, everywhere I go seems really hard to preach at. Uh, and, he, and he said, why, Lord? So it's always good. To ask, Lord, why is, that, why is that way? He said, well, go back and find out the history of that city and see what happened in the city. See what revivals that I had brought to that city. And he went back and checked in, in uh, every one of the cities that he had a hard time preaching at. There had been a significant uh, spiritual revival in decades before and the city rejected that revival after a period of time uh, and, and uh, he said it's just like putting the word Ichabod the glory of God is, is gone right uh, that the, the word Ichabod is, is on that whole city uh, and um, you remember when Ichabod right uh, was it, was it uh, Eli's was it, was it, it wasn't Eli's son but it was uh, uh, it was when the, the Ark of the Covenant left Israel and the child Ichabod was born uh, and it said the glory of God is left. Uh, and, uh, and that's what happens a lot of times, right? And so, um, so the Lord will remove the whole candlestick uh, and leave the physical church there without a candlestick. Now they'll go hire a hireling, right? And they'll go find somebody to, to fill their shoes, but it won't be, the, it won't be God, right? Uh, does God do that? Well, it's what he said he's going to do, right? Uh, and so... It's always a warning for all of us, right? And he said, uh, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of Nicolaitans. Uh, and so uh, they do hate that. The uh, Nicolaitans uh, were uh, people who thought that uh, there's no really such thing as sin, that uh, they were, of course, uh, involved in, in things like wife swapping, you know. And uh, I think in our show like that, wife swap, like that. I think there's a show like that, right? Uh, and um, I mean, I got a hard enough time with the one I got. You know, why would I want to swap her, right? Uh, and so um, it's, uh, uh, I don't, and, and not just that, but just, you know, there's no, no such thing as fornication. You know, as long as you love each other, it's okay, right? And, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, who believe that even now, right? Nicolaitans, right? Uh, hate is the deeds, not the people, but hate the deeds. And the, the, the world hates that the church has the capacity to hate deeds, but not hate people. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we need to we need to have that capacity, right? We have the love of God. We we need to live like that. And he said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. So uh, anybody can hear these words. But are you really hearing them? Anybody can hear these words. These are not hard words to understand. But are, but do you have the capacity to hear what he's saying? Be careful. Warning. You know, don't say things like, well, I would never do that. Then you didn't hear a thing he said. You know, anytime you say that, Lord, I would never do that, then there was no need for him to write this to begin with. 
If there's no if there's no potential for you to do these things, then there's no need to write these things. Uh, and so he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit say, saith unto the churches. And then he then he encourages them and says to him that overcometh. Well, I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so we don't know what all what all is going to happen uh, to get the tree of life, but it sounds pretty good, right? They get to eat of the tree of life uh, and the paradise is, is always talking about heaven. So there's a, there is a tree of life in the midst of, of heaven uh, and uh, what the results of eating that tree will be. We don't know, but uh, if the Lord offers it to you, I would encourage you to take it. Right. Uh, and so. But uh, there, uh, but the good thing about that is in all of these cases that he says that if you overcome, he always encourages you there's value in doing the work to overcome because you'll be blessed. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes people think there's no value in serving the Lord. There's always value in serving the Lord. There's always value in doing the work that's necessary to keep your life on track. And if your life is off track, doing the work to get it back on track, there's always value because he said if you overcome I'm going to give these things to you. Amen. I'm going to give you uh, to eat of the tree of life. Uh, and he says, uh, let's see how, yeah, we got a little time there. He didn't uh, spend as much time with uh, our friends at Smyrna. But in verse eight, he says, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write these things, saith, uh, saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are, uh, are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, and that you may be tried. So who's trying them? The devil, right? Is God trying them? God's not trying them. The devil's trying them. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear with the spirit. Saith unto the churches, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So with the, uh, the, the church in Smyrna there, you know, he, he encouraged them about three different things. that the, uh, He knows their works. You know, he said the same thing about the church at Ephesus, right? Their works. He knows their tribulation. You know, the, there is tribulation that uh, uh, he said in John chapter 16 that you will have tribulation, right? Now, not by his will, because he said in this case that it was the devil that was going to be doing it. Uh, but uh, he said, I know thy, I know thy tribulation. Uh, and he said, thy poverty, though thou art rich. Uh, and, and now uh, he didn't say it was his will for them to be in poverty. Uh, we don't know why they're in poverty. Could have been a lot of things. Could have been uh, that uh, there was an economic downturn in their area. Could have been a lot of things, right? We don't know what the what the root of it is, but he said you're rich. So uh, hopefully their their knowledge of them being rich would would transfer into their natural world, right? Because you're rich right now, uh, and if you'll move that that wealth out of the spirit realm, which is not doing you any good, into the natural realm where you reside, then it'll help you. But you know, sometimes people uh, will suffer in poverty. Because of the circumstances around them and haven't used their word, their, their faith to get out of that. Uh, but he did commend them for that. Uh, and he says, and I, and I know uh, now this part was not a, a very good thing here. He said, uh, the blaspheme of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the, of the synagogue of Satan. So, you know, that was a negative for them. 
They were putting up with people that, that uh, uh, they said they were Jews, but they weren't Jews. Uh, now, Jews, you know, the, uh, the Christian church started churches, but the Jews had synagogues, which are very similar to churches. They were, you know, areas or buildings, not, uh, not the temple of God, which was in Jerusalem, but uh, every location had a synagogue, which was basically a building that they used to come together and read the word of God and do the different things that, that uh, they would do uh, similar to church, right? They remember Jesus, uh, when he went back to Nazareth, uh, opened up the scroll, right? Uh, and he stood up to read. And so they'd have different people read the word of God uh, during the, the service there. Uh, but they weren't of the synagogue of Jews. They were of the synagogue of Satan. So now why were they putting up with that? You know, it could have been a lot of reasons, right? Uh, I mean, if synagogue of Satan, right? Uh, they could be uh, people of power or people of influence. Well, we like, you know, we, we like that this guy's coming to our church. Uh, but, but he's a devil. Yeah, but we're glad that he comes to our church. But he's a devil, right? Uh, and so we should do something about that. We should not allow it to stay. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there's always going to be people that show up at church that are, are of the synagogue of Satan. Yes. They're there only to destroy. They're not there to help. They're not there to, to learn. They're not there to assist. They're there to destroy. And, and I've seen plenty of people like that over the years, both with my pastor and even uh, as our church, that there are people that come to the church with the desire to destroy. Uh, and they're of the synagogue of Satan. Well, I, but, I, you know, I accepted Jesus. Well, that may be true, but you're still yielding to the devil. Uh, and you need to straighten up. Amen. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if the church is not better off when you leave than when you got there, then you're of the wrong synagogue. Uh, the church should be better off when you leave, uh, uh, better off, you know, as you're leaving than when you got there. Uh, he said, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Uh, and so, uh, you know, fear is a, a, a way to control you, right? And people will threaten you. If you don't do this, I will call, you know, I will do this to you. I will do that to you. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, he starts in verse 10 is his instructions to how to overcome. So number one is don't fear. Well, again, that's not really, you know, that's not, Lord, that's not really the answer I want. I want, you know, uh, do a great miracle or something like that, right? Uh, uh, have a word from the Lord. No, he said, don't fear. I fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Uh, and he says, here's what's going to happen. The devil's going to do that, cast you some into prison, uh, to be tried, tribulation for 10 days. Uh, and then the second thing, he said, be faithful unto death. Faithful. Now, you know, we, we think being faithful unto death, that's, that's uh, uh, you know, when there's persecution. And that's, that's, that's context of this one. But being faithful is still an important thing. Amen. Most of the time in the church, being faithful is almost like a, a four-letter word. Well, you know, I don't, want, I, I don't want anybody to depend on me. That means you're unfaithful, right? You know, you, you just, uh, uh, someone gives you a job at church and you intentionally don't show up half the time that you're supposed to do your job. And Well, I, I don't want anybody depending on me. Well, that means you're not faithful, right? Uh, you go to, uh, that's, it's amazing to me how some people be so faithful over their job, go to work, always on time, uh, and, and never miss a day, uh, and make sure that if they do have to miss, they, they call 12 people, right? Get 12 letters of, of uh, approvals to do that. But a church, they won't even show up, you know, when they're on the list to do whatever they're supposed to do. Uh, and and uh, I mean, why are you more faithful over your job? I mean, that's just a natural thing, right? You should be more faithful in the work of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so 
And that's not to beat anybody up. It's just faithfulness is one of the most important things you can develop in your life. If you want to be a person of great faith, then you can only be a person of great faith by also being a person of great faithfulness. Uh, if you want to be a person of mediocre faith, then be a mediocre faithful person, right? Uh, and that's just not just for your marriage. Uh, but, you know, I've found that it seems like in the church of the Lord, and it's not just, uh, you know, no, I'm not talking about just our church. I'm talking about the church as a whole of the Lord. Uh, that faithfulness to the church and to the work of the Lord is really hard for some people to do for whatever reason. I don't, and I don't really know why that, that is. You know, I, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of reasons why that is. You know, uh, they don't want to be beholding to anybody or there's, you know, th- there's oftentimes uh, a small amount of rebellion in their lives. I just, you know, I don't want to answer to, to nobody. Um, but faithfulness is one of the most important things you can develop in your life. Uh, and I like Keith Moore's definition of faithfulness. He said faithfulness is being there. That's a pretty good definition, right? Faithfulness is being there, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, I, wanna, I, I, I want to, uh, um, to always be there. Amen? Uh, and, um, you know, with my pastor, when I was running for the sound for him, he would never have to ask me, hey, um, we got a special service on Monday. Are you going to be there? He never had to ask me if I was going to be there to run the sound for a special service. Because I was just there. That was my job. I, I was always there. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that he never had to ask me to do something. Hey, did you check my batteries? Hey, did you, uh, uh, did you uh, clean up the stage after all the crazy uh, singers uh, messed up all their chords and stuff? You know, he, uh, he didn't have to ask me to do my job. Uh, and, you know, the, one of the most wearying things for a minister, for a pastor, is to constantly ask people to do the things that they said they would do, right? Uh, and um, uh, it's... Uh, uh, faithfulness, you should never have to be asked uh, to do something once you've signed up to do it. Amen. Uh, and you should at least show the same level of faithfulness uh, in the work of the Lord as you do uh, for the Lord, uh, for, the, for your natural things. Amen. Uh, and again, that's not to beat anybody up because faithfulness always starts today. Like all things with the Lord, it starts right now. Amen. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. But he said, be faithful unto death. Now, there was never fear of death when I was running sound, but, you know, I was faithful unto death, right? Uh, and so, uh, if that's what the Lord called me to do, then I'll be faithful unto death. If the Lord's called me to, to be the pastor of this church, then I'll be faithful to death, uh, uh, to, to pastor this church, right? If the Lord's called me to be a traveling minister, then I'll be faithful to de- unto death to be a traveling minister. Amen? Uh, so, whatever the Lord's called me to do, uh, and if he's called me, like I said, when he called me to run the sound then I was faithful to death to run the sound for my pastor. Uh, and he says, uh, if you do that, so in this case, he only gave him two things to, to work on. Don't fear and be faithful. Don't fear and be faithful. And now, those two things do kind of go together sometimes because sometimes people are afraid if I'm faithful, someone's going to take advantage of me, right? Uh, if I give them all my life, then they're going to take advantage of me. Does the Lord not see, didn't he say, I see thy works? Did he say that? See, you should never be, never be afraid to be faithful because the Lord sees your works. Amen. And he said that, that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt you in due season. Didn't he say that? So he's not going to keep you in some, well, just, you know, I have to, you know, I'm the, I'm the one who has to pick up the paper off the floor every day, you know, uh, and I don't like that job. Be faithful and, and, and he will exalt you in due season, right? So the, ex- the exalting doesn't happen until there's faithfulness before that. Amen. Uh, and so, but a lot of times people will, will not be faithful because of fear. They're afraid that if they do that, 
if they're faithful for all of their lives, that they're going to miss out on something. And so they like to keep all their options open by not being faithful anywhere. You know, and I talked to a traveling minister one time. I said, uh, number one question I always ask every traveling minister who wants to preach here is, where do you go to church? Uh, and one, one, I don't go to church. I help a lot of different churches. You know, they're tell, they just told me they're not faithful anywhere. If you're not faithful anywhere, what are you going to teach my people? Be like me. Show up when you want to. I mean, what are you going to teach my people, right? Uh, I mean, I don't, you know, they ain't going to come here. And so I don't want them, you know, uh, you all are faithful. I don't want them ruining you. And so it's, uh, um, uh, that's, the Lord told the whole church two things. Don't fear. Be faithful. That's how you overcome. It's pretty good, right? Uh, not anything about some spectacular miracle. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of these things are just very practical, right? Uh, the, the church at Ephesus, he, he said, remember, repent and do. The church at Smyrna, maybe they, couldn't ha- they could only handle a couple of things. You know, don't fear and be faithful. Uh, and so, now, uh, faithfulness is a uh, fruit of the Spirit, so it does take effort to do that, right? Uh, and then he said, uh, at the end of that, uh, he said in verse 11, uh, he that hath an ear to hear. Wow. That's what he told the church at Ephesus. If you say, well, you know, it's not important to be faithful, then you didn't hear a word I said. Well, you don't have to do that all the time. Then you didn't hear a word I said, right? He said, you've got to hear, right? You've got to listen. Uh, uh, and so uh, he said, uh, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the, unto the churches. So it's the Spirit of God saying these things, right? And what's the result of that? He that overcometh shall, overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, the second death is... Uh, being sent to hell for all eternity, right? That's the second death. Uh, and, um, and so, uh, of course, being faithful in, in is how you get into the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, and so that's pretty good, right? You don't, you don't have to go to hell if you're faithful, amen? And, and if you're not perfectly faithful, you're not going to go to hell for that anyway. It's, it's not, uh, that's not what he's talking about. But if you do overcome these things, because uh, if you fail in these things, it can lead to a point where you leave the church and leave the Lord himself, right? And that's really the issue in all of these things, that if you're not following these, these instructions to overcome, that you could potentially leave the Lord. And not just leave the Lord, but leave the church, right? Not just the physical church, but I'm talking about the Lord, church of Lord Jesus, and just, uh, just forsake God. Now, again, I know you have to be a mature Christian to do that, but still, these warnings are there that, hey, all of us have that potential to do that. Be careful, Amen. Always be careful. These are warnings to us. Uh, but they're still good, right? Uh, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Uh, and so uh, we're about out of time today. So uh, we've got a few more churches to look at. But, uh, you know, I like that because he makes it really simple. Um, the, the church at Ephesus, remember, repent, and do. The church at Smyrna, don't fear and be faithful. So, you know, Lord, I just never can overcome. Well, you've got five things right there you can work on to overcome, right? Remember, repent and do, and don't fear and be faithful. Uh, Lord, I want, to be the, I want to be a consistent Christian all my life. I want to be the steady person. When they look at me, they go, oh, yeah, that's, that's a pillar of, of, of the church right there, right? Uh, that's what, I, you know, I want people to, if they need help, they go, well, who can help? Well, I bet Pastor Chip can help. You know, because, uh, well, he's overcome. Then I bet he can help me. Uh, see, I want to I want to be able to I want to be able to help people and not just Pastor Chip, but also uh, Chip as the Christian. Hey, you know, you always overcome. You know, how do you do that? Oh, let me tell you. 
I've got five ways. Repent, uh, remember, uh, repent, uh, remember, repent, and do, and don't fear, and, and be faithful. And then we'll find out what the rest of the churches are. There may be a long list by the time we get done with it, right? Uh, but we'll get there, amen? Uh, and so, uh, do you have an ear to hear? You do, don't you? Amen? Uh, do you have uh, uh, the ability to overcome? You do. Is there blessings uh, available to us when we overcome? There are, amen? And so, let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So, Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You, Father, for being good to us. Father, for speaking to us. And Father, we thank you that, that you chose to give us these examples of these churches, Father, that uh, we can learn from their mistakes and not do the same things that they did, Father, but avoid the same mistakes they did by seeing uh, where they missed it. Uh, and uh, if we need to repent or, or to do, Father, or to remember, we can do that. Or if we need to not fear and to be faithful, Father, then we can do that. And Lord, we thank you that you show us in our individual lives any areas of those five things that you told those two churches to do, Father, that we need to pick it up. And Lord, we, we will have an ear to hear. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, if these churches overcame, then, then do we have the, the ability to overcome? It's interesting, you know, on the church at Smyrna that, uh, you know, he didn't say, uh, a warning like he did at, at Ephesus that at Ephesus he said if you don't if you don't overcome then I'm going to remove your candlestick uh, he didn't say that at church of Smyrna and um, you know it may just be because that uh, they didn't need that particular warning you know sometimes uh, uh, the uh, the knowledge of what's going to happen if you don't do something the or else part you know um, is enough motivation to get you to change amen so this church at Smyrna didn't need the or else Amen. Uh, so uh, they can take some some uh, solace in that, right? Well, he didn't give us an ultimatum like he did the church at Ephesus. So, but they still need to change, don't they? Amen. And so let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, and we appreciate y'all's faithfulness in giving. Amen. And um, let's thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So, Father, we thank you for giving us an opportunity to to, to sow finances into the kingdom of heaven, Father. That, that You've been so good to us to bless us with good jobs, Father, good ways to uh, earn finances, to earn money, Father. That you've given us wisdom and strength, Father, ability to earn, uh, earn an income. And so, Father, it's a small gift, a small thing, Father, for us to give to you a small percentage of what you've given to us. So, Father, we thank you that as we do that, that the, that the ministry that receives the funds that we sow into it We'll be able to accomplish all the will of God that you've uh, that you've assigned to them to do in this earth. And that fathers were faithful to give that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into our bosom. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus name. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive uh, the offering. And, um, you know, I was going to remind you, I know I know uh, several of you do that. But, uh, you know, if you want to give electronically, you can do that. I know it's just uh, uh, for me, I just. You know, uh, uh, I, I like those types of things. I think I've got just about everything in my life all set up for auto pay on the banks and things. And, um, and um, you know, if you don't do that, it's fine. You know, it's no, no problem at all. But uh, it is available. If you want to know more about that, uh, I think there's a, a slide that shows up every now and then. You can do that. Get the app on your phone. And you can do that uh, digitally if you want to. Uh, and uh, it still works the same way. We still get record of all of that, that, you, that you've done that. And... Um, like I said, there's uh, several folks who do that, so 
Um, and don't forget, today we have healing school at 3 o'clock. And um, I think that's all we have for announcements, right? So be blessed. Have a, have a wonderful afternoon. And you're just